0: This is 105.9 The Region, and you're listening to Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. Your content, unfiltered. This is Discovery. This is Mental Health Moments, the podcast dedicated to breaking down barriers and sharing your stories. Brought to you by 105.9 The Region. Hey there, and welcome to another edition of Mental Health Moments, brought to you by 105.9 The Region and hosted by yours truly, Phil McCabe. This podcast, in my opinion, is designed to share as many stories as humanly possible and really delve into what mental health means to the individual and what it means to the community as a whole. I don't know if you guys know this, but there is another show on this station that features millennials and how they balance life, how things work out. So that got me thinking, these are two people that I would like to talk to. Joining me today, one over the phone and one right here in studio with a nice plexiglass protecting us from COVID-19. Shaliza Backus and Afwubah, how are you both doing today?
1: Hello, Hello, Philip. how are you?
0: I am doing well. That was, uh, everyone was talking at the same time. We were trying
1: to figure out if we were going to (laughs) talk at the same time or not, but, I mean, that's a good thing. It means we're on the same wavelength, so it's a good thing that we host a show together.
0: Absolutely, and... We're
1: in sync.
0: In (laughs) sync, like the band? Yeah!
1: See, oh <laughs> there are kids who don't get that reference.
0: That's terrifying, but that actually kind of segues perfectly into our conversation here. We are all millennials. I know it, it's a bit of a sad thing to talk about, but the name of your show is Millennial Balance, correct? hmm And it also airs right mm-hmm. here on 105.9 The Region at 8 a.m. or 8.15, perhaps. I'm getting the nod of agreement from Shaliza, You've so we'll it. keep it going. <laughs> All of that said, the reason I wanted to bring the two of you on is because the name of your show really sparked a, a conversation idea in my head. Uh, Shaliza, I'll start with you since you're right here in studio with me. What do you find is the most challenging thing about your work-life balance, both as a millennial and just in general? What do you find is hard to balance?
1: That's a, that's a loaded question. Um, but I will say... I don't think there is a work-life balance anymore. I feel like we are taking our work with us everywhere, and especially since we've got these little mobile computers in our pockets all the time. You know, there's no excuse to miss an email. There's no excuse to miss a text, and I feel like signing off at "quote unquote" five p.m. it, It doesn't have the same meaning anymore. We just we don't do that anymore, and. A lot of millennials, I feel, are working those extra hours because they feel that's what they need to do. And people who are doing the same jobs as us beforehand, they're signed off at 5 p.m. and and that's it. And they don't really think that they needed to work the extra or go the extra mile, rather, to make it work.
0: No, And I'm glad you said that, too, because from my own experience, I know entering the broadcasting world, I thought it was a very traditional 9 to 5. You can clock out. Whenever and that's the end of it. But in our line of work, that is not the case. You are dialed in, whether you mean to be or not, 24/7. I know when I get an email at midnight from whomever, like, oh God, something's happening, everything's broken, life is over. <laughs> now, Afwa, I will ask you this because you are the news anchor of the three of us. Do you find that in your experience in the broadcasting world that you've been Almost unintentionally forced to be dialed in at all times, and that like you you feel like you're letting the work side of your world down if you don't stay dialed in, if you don't, for lack of a better word, keep working all day every day?
2: It's strange because it's almost like both parts of that world, the work and the personal life, they've blended into one. Um, COVID 19, because we're all experiencing it for the first time. We're all learning the information at the same time. News anchors, I mean, we perform and we give you the information that we want to give the listeners or the audience, but we're learning it just the same time that, you know, you're learning it, well, just prior so that we can (laughs) let you know. But we're getting that same information just like you. We're trying to process it just like you. The only difference is we have to do it in front of you, whereas sometimes some people, you know, they can do it behind closed doors. Um, And so processing it has been different, and I think it's just added another layer of always having to be on, quote unquote, always having to be ready, always having to be in the know. At least, you know, with a normal news cycle, you could feel like you could take a step back a little bit because, you know, you would see the stories that are coming out, but you would kind of expect the normal sort of stories, quote unquote, But with this pandemic, there's always something different coming in. There's always new information, whether it's about the virus or it's about vaccines or it's about contact tracing, all of these little things that are coming together. So you can't miss uh, any type of information. And and to be frank, it kind of puts a lot of pressure on you, right, because you always have to make sure that you have the latest information.
0: And piggybacking off of that thought process, um, because for anyone that doesn't know, I was a reporter before I joined the team here at 105.9 The Region. Uh, Afwa, you can probably speak to this better than either of us, but do you find in the role you're in that there's a constant sense of pressure to be not just first, but right? And all, the never-ending cycle of, oh, Afwa had a typo, she's clearly an idiot. And those kinds of Things are just never ending. Do you find that's the case, or am I greatly exaggerating the news world?
2: No, I I think you're right on. I think that has always been there with media, always having to be first, always ha- well, having, having always to be right. That should always be number one, but always now wanting to be first, that is sort of in a strange way taking precedence um, over you know having to have that the right fact first. They just want you sometimes to just be first, and it's always been there but it's almost sort of morphed and mutated to a whole other level of having to be right and first at the same time, especially since we're all learning the information. It's just like, even though we're all learning the information at the same time, who can be first at the same time? And that's just a whole other level of pressure that, that you know, the media has sort of created for itself. We, have, we as an audience, we accept it because quite frankly, When breaking news is coming out, I'm sure we can all agree to this, but we go over to our social pages just to, you know, find and scroll through where we can find the information. And if it's not on, we're like, why isn't it there yet? We expect it to be there at the moment that we want it. And if we're not, we're frustrated. So it's just this weird, I think unhealthy cycle, but it is the cycle that we have become accustomed to.
0: Now, speaking of cycles, fitness is something that people try and balance into their lives, and that was the worst possible segue I could have created. <laughs> it worked. But it does work, and uh, Shaliza, I'll direct this at you. You uh, you work at No Frills as well as here at 105.9 The Region on Shaliza Sundays. Holla! It's a great show, but where I was going with this is, do you find that you have to separate Shaliza Sundays, the show host, and Shaliza is the human being? And if so, do you think that there is a way for you to balance those two sides of yourself and not really ignore one or the other? Um,
1: okay, that's a very multi-leveled question there. Um, to your first point, yes, I do feel like I need to separate them sometimes because being an on-air host, it's, it's difficult sometimes, especially if you don't feel like you're 100%. And I'm not going to lie, there are some Sundays where I come in here and I just feel drained. I don't feel like I've got the energy to get a show going, but people tune in to listen to you to lift their spirits, to hear fun stuff, to to get themselves going. They don't want to hear about you dragging your feet and not wanting to get out of bed in the morning. And although that is the feeling that we have a lot of the time, sometimes you got to just you got to flip the switch and you got to put your best foot forward your best face forward although you can't see my face when we're live on Sundays but you get what I'm saying so yes I do feel like I do have to separate a little bit and it's a little difficult sometimes to do that
0: well and um just kind of piggybacking off some of those thoughts as well as my own experiences. A gentleman I worked with up in Halliburton, Rick Lowe's, great morning show host, great guy, just all around fantastic human being. But I remember a conversation I had with him, and hopefully he doesn't mind me saying this, but it's out there anyway now. Um, he he got tired of people in, the, in Halliburton County coming up to him and, and talking to him as if they were best friends. Because it's very taxing when you're in a situation mm-hmm. where... You know, you're just trying to have breakfast with your wife, and next thing you know, someone's like, "Oh, that was so funny that story you told," and, and they're they're talking to you as if you're friends, and I I don't like that, but at the same time, that that's got to feel good. No, the exactly. the recognition you get
1: that that was that was the point I was going to make. You know, there there's it's a two sided thing, and when you are an on air personality or on the air at all, you are sharing a part of yourself with other people, and I hate unfortunately to say. It's the name of the game. It, it comes with the job. You're going to have people who come up to you who feel like they can relate to you. And I, I know it can be kind of annoying. You know, you want to live your life. You want to have your privacy. But at the same time, when you're on the air sharing your stories and your life with listeners, that means they're listening and they're connecting to you. So that must mean that you're doing something right.
3: Oh,
0: God. I lost count of the amount of days when I, I would deliver some kind of joke and I, I was expecting it, that I would get a phone call, I'm like, you're a complete moron. Why did you say that? But I got nothing. So it, it's kind of unsettling when you don't hear anything. But at the same time, it's like when my phone was ringing at uh, at that particular radio station, it was, you got this wrong. What's wrong with you? You didn't say that yeah. and so on and so forth. Bringing Afla back into the fold, Afla, you were a news anchor, as we've discussed several times. And this is a mental health show. How do you, afla the news anchor and the individual in general, how do you deal with the, the negativity and the sorrow that comes with a lot of the reporting you do?
2: Oh, okay. You know, I, I think I've been okay. I know others, um, when it's been a heavy news day, you know, it takes its toll, and maybe I have yet to feel the full effects of it, but I, sometimes I take a step back, I try to analyze it from just my perspective and separate myself um, from the anchor and just you know look at it from the way that I would see it. And usually maybe when I do that, I'm going home and I'll think about it. And I've, I've been able to so far separate myself from you know hearing the story and, and not being so enveloped in it. I know some people will be like, uh, is that normal? <laughs> they don't know. Maybe it's just all gonna come to a head later on, but I recognize that the stories that come out, sometimes they're very heavy, they're very traumatizing. Um, And so sometimes I'm usually mostly thinking about my colleagues that are sometimes on the lines reporting it, or other people that might be reporting it, and wondering if they're okay. Uh, Wondering the people who are involved in the story, if they're okay. I usually don't think about myself too much and how I'm processing it. I'm more as to how others are sort of feeling. And, and try to, you know, be there for them in that sense.
0: Now, we're running out of time here, but I've got a tradition on the show, and I hope you will both indulge. Um, first, I will start very succinct, very quick. Shaliza, how are you doing today I and am, in general?
1: I'm good. Thank you for asking, Phil. I feel like that's a very loaded cu- question these Nowadays days. Nowadays it is.
0: Absolutely. And Afua, how are you doing, all things considered?
1: Um, You know, the first,
2: I think, three quarters of the pandemic, I have felt fine. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a homebody, you know, so when these restrictions and everything came into play, honestly, I was okay, because I'm like, well, I don't go anywhere anyway. So it's just normal life as it is. Uh, the last quarter of this pandemic, and I don't know if it's because it's drawn out for so long that it's just like, I feel a little bit tired, but I'm okay. You know, I, I, I try to count every single day as a blessing as it is um, because for some other people, maybe they're going through a worse experience. And so I just try to lift my head up and say, you know what? I don't have it all that bad. And so I'm grateful for that. That being said, I'm not trying to judge or shame anyone if maybe they're having a bad day, even though they have a, like, you know, their life is pretty okay. It's okay. And don't ever feel like you have to feel put together just because, you know, your life isn't maybe as bad as somebody else's, but you still feel bad. Um, it's okay to feel how you feel, and it's all about a, a process that we're all walking and living through together. So um, I'm hanging in, and but I'm okay. <laughs> long long short, <answer laughs> sure, if, if that makes sense. <laughs>
0: I feel like you might need to look up the definition of succinct be, for going forward. Regardless, <laughs> just bust in your shops, but... You know, you kind of answered the the follow-up question there, but I will ask you very briefly in a moment. Shaliza is someone out there struggling through a mental health crisis, a mental health concern, what would you like them to know right now?
1: I would say do not lose yourself in all of the noise. And it's very easy to do that, but just remember that nobody's got your own back like you do and always put yourself first and always try to be the best that you can be and just stay positive.
0: That's a very good answer. Very succinct answer, sorry. <laughs> are,
1: are
2: you trying to throw a little hint at me?
0: <laughs> Only a little bit. And Asl, I will wrap up with you because we're running out of time here. Someone out there struggling with a mental health concern or problem, what
2: would you like them to know right now? It's okay, and if you can, just take a moment to breathe. Just breathe, and even if the breath feels heavy, it's okay. Um, and when you make it through the other day, just take another at a time after that but it's okay That's
0: that it. is a wonderful way to close the show yes. thank you both for joining me uh, I believe we will hear you next week on millennial balance Indeed. right here on 1059 the region if anyone wants to reach out to the show wants to connect with us you can reach us at info at 1059 the region.com until then I close with your love this has been mental health moments brought to you by 1059 the region. If you or someone you love is struggling with mental health concerns, contact a local agency near you. Do you have an idea or a podcast to share? Send it to us here at Discovery, the radio show for podcasters on 1059 The Region.
3: You're listening to New Music on the Region, an interview-based podcast that showcases new music and provides industry insight. I'm your host, Christina LeVecchia, Music Director at 1059 The Region. Whether it's a brand new talent or an established artist, we bring you conversations with performers from York Region and beyond. week on New Music on the Region podcast, I'm joined by singer and songwriter Carly Akins. Carly has toured the world, sharing the stage with artists like Macy Gray, Neil Young, Willie Nelson, and Robert Plant. While Carly has appeared on various recordings and has been a band member for different acts, in November, she will make her solo project debut with her record, Junk Jewelry. Hi, Carly. Hello. Congratulations on the coming album.
4: Thank you so much. I'm excited to finally get it out there.
3: So, Jung Jewelry is your first record release as a solo artist. Why was now the right time for you to make your debut? Oh, well, um, I,
4: as you just said, I've spent years as a collaborator, a band member, a, a backing vocalist on tour. And I've been writing songs for many, many years, and they've just kind of sat in my, um, you know, as a collection of demos. And when you're a touring musician, it's easy to kind of get swept away on the road and uh, to not make time for your own projects. So I think this was a good time because I've spent the last 10 years kind of working with other artists. I've got to have kind of a crash course observing people that I love and admire and work with doing their thing. So I've learned a lot from all of that. And I think if I tried to release something solo, you know, when I was, Twenty-seven. I might not have been as prepared as I am now after everything I've kind of learned and observed and picked up from all of my colleagues. Um, And I also received a Canada council grant to work on this record. So that kind of allowed me time to just step away from the road and really focus on this project for myself, which has been great.
3: Then COVID happened, of course. So (laughs) then I had a lot of extra time. (laughs) Was this a pandemic album or has it been in the works for a while? It was kind of in the work still,
4: like in its recording stages once the pandemic hit, but I had started uh, the year prior, and because of the pandemic, we kind of decided to just slow down a little bit, take our time, and and really get things done right so that um, we could release, you know, we weren't sure when things would open up. Uh, Of course, now it's been over a year, so that's not what we were expecting, but it was kind of a half and half. It started before the pandemic and was finished during.
3: Do you have a release date for the album?
4: Uh, We're actually planning to release it in November of 2021. Um, Yeah, we were originally thinking of of releasing it in the summer, but we're going to push that back a little bit just to kind of prolong the release time because, you know, as things are opening up, there's no need to rush it right now until I can really get out and play the record and, you know, promote it that way.
3: And did you find being in the studio significantly different this time around compared to in the past?
4: It was different because in this process, I had to kind of assert myself in a new way as the leader of the band, uh, the leader of the songs, figure out how to articulate my ideas without, you know, I'm used to being in the studio with a whole band where we all kind of pitch our ideas and work together. And this time, it was kind of just me yeah. and the producers I worked with, which I enjoyed that process. It was challenging and it was, it was definitely a new role for me to kind of step into but um, it was an amazing learning experience and I can't wait to make another one and, and you know, feel even more assertive in that
3: role. Tougher Than You is your debut single from Junk Jewelry. How was releasing the single for you as a solo artist? Were you excited? Were you more nervous? What were the emotions that you were feeling?
4: I was pretty nervous, you know, it's the first time to kind of just put something out where it's it's like this is just me so again it was you know when you're doing with a group of people with a band you can feel a little bit more supported and and like it's a group effort and a group endeavor and so this time doing it kind of alone it it feels a lot more vulnerable but also super exciting because i've just been priming myself to do this for so long so it was a mixed bag of emotions for sure
3: Letting You Go is one of your latest releases. Will that song be on the album as well? Yes, it will. It's the last song on the album. It's kind of the
4: climactic ballad at the end, and that's actually probably one of the one of the only songs that I've actually performed live. As I said, the rest of the the record was made, and then the pandemic hit, and I hadn't. That's what's also unusual about this release for me. I haven't played the songs live. You know, typically you tour with the band and you kind of try the songs out with the crowd and then you go in the studio and lay them down. But for me, I hadn't performed any of them, but letting you go was a song that was written by my, I used to be in a band called paper bird that was based in Colorado. And when I joined that band, they were about already eight years into their career. And I was replacing one of the female lead singers. And so I was singing, old songs that they had been playing for years, and they, Jenny Patterson, one of the members, wrote that song for me to perform so that I kind of had my moment in the set when I first started out with Paperbird. Bird. Um, and then we went on to make a record with John Oates from Holland Oates, who produced that, and that's Letting You Go kind of almost made it on the record, but didn't. And so I was happy to kind of give that song a life on my own record, which has been fun.
3: It's nice that you were able to bring that song forward now into your solo mm-hmm. career. Yeah, for sure. And it takes on a whole new
4: meaning. You know, songs kind of, when Jenny wrote it for me, it had its own meaning at that time. And, and now, several years later, it kind of has a new life and a new meaning to me now when I sing it just as a as one of my solo songs.
3: And you grew up in Barrie, where you started as a musical theater performer. You're also mm-hmm. a visual artist. Do you find those experiences help shape the vocalist you are today?
4: Certainly, um, theater, you know, of course, that was my first love, and that taught me how to feel comfortable on stage. I was a trained music theater singer. And so that kind of gave me a great foundation, of course, for performing live with bands. Performing live with a band is a very different experience than performing a show or a play in that, you know, you're expressing your own words instead of trying to interpret a playwright's words or whatever. And I went from singing music theater to playing with a bunch of dudes whose guitars were cranked to 11. And so trying to sing over that, that kind of caused me to use my voice in a different way, and I kind of found this deep rasp that has kind of now become, I guess, my... The signature of my my voice now, so yeah, definitely I had the foundation for my musical theater training, and then I found a whole new voice after playing with the rock and rollers, if you will.
3: <laughs> did you find that your um, sound changed over the years? Like, did you have the intent to go into the music industry um, with one genre and then kind of changed, or do you find that was consistent throughout?
4: Um, The first band that I really started out with was pretty, uh, it was like an indie rock band. So again, it was a lot of like power singing and really using that rasp. But then over the years, I became a kind of hired gun vocalist singing for all kinds of acts in all different genres. And I think having that experience singing all different kinds of music has accumulated in my my own sound now, there's a lot of eclectic influences within the record that I've drawn from all the different genres I've kind of been a part of over the years. So yeah, I guess the, the sound of the record now is just kind of a culmination of a lot of different influences, but I think the common thread is, is my voice, and it's kind of a pop record, kind of a rock record, it's a little bit of a, a mix of everything.
3: One of your singles made it to our TVs. If the song sounds familiar, we not only played Lose My Number here at 105.9 The Region, it was featured on season 19 of Grey's Anatomy and more recently Hockey Night in Canada. So how did that all come about?
4: The Grey's Anatomy thing, you know, we, uh, myself and a guy named Thomas Darcy, write songs together that we submit for publishing that are kind of specifically, you know, meant to be shopped for placements and syncs. Um, so when we first wrote it, it ended up getting placed in Grey's Anatomy, which is really exciting, Mm. but I kind of didn't really intend to formally release it. I was kind of just going to leave it as, you know, a song for publishing and for for pitches of that nature and then realized, you know what, this this is a pretty banging tune. Like, why not just put it out? (laughs) Um, so we released that single and then the Hockey Night in Canada thing kind of, when these things happen, they can often happen kind of overnight, very quickly. You know, it's like a 24-hour kind of turnaround oftentimes. The Grey's Anatomy thing, there's a whole process. But with Hockey Night in Canada, we just got word that they were going to use it. Um, they have been wanting to use it for about a year when they heard it a year ago. And then they found an op- a good opportunity to place it in, like, the opening sports montage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had no idea how much of the song they were going to use. I was like, well, maybe it'll play in the background or something. And so I was just as surprised as <laughs> everyone else when <laughs> all of a sudden it was like they used most of the songs for the whole kind of opening montage, which was its pretty cool to have, for a theater kid to have a uh, sports montage, <laughs> you know, sound, be the soundtrack for that.
3: It was a pretty so good yeah, surprise. That was, it was fun. <laughs> And uh, your album, um, Junk Jewelry, moved to uh, November release now. Um, So do you have any, well, I know we can't really do any um, live performances, but are there any plans in the works to tour the album?
4: We are working on that right now. Again, we're just trying to assess, you know, what the situation is. It's, it's, It's a tricky time right now because a lot of the tours that are happening are tours that were scheduled for a year and a half ago. So it's kind of like whatever was happening then is now happening currently. So all the festivals and whatnot kind of have already booked everything. So again, that's another reason to be pushing the the record back a bit. Um, And so, yeah, we're working on, there'll be a big release show in Toronto, and we're just working on tour dates. It would be more towards the the summer of uh, 2022, I guess yeah it's just it's gonna take you know a minute for everyone to get back in the groove and and pick up where we kind of left off before the pandemic so but there will be a big release. I want to bring these songs to the stage because I think that's where they'll most resonate with everyone. so I'm ex- really excited to do that
3: and in between now and next summer, are there any other projects our listeners or releases uh, that we could look forward to?
4: yeah, I'll be releasing um a few more singles from the record. Um, the next one will be in July, the second week of July, I believe July 15th. Um, I'll be releasing a song called Funny Honey. And yeah, another uh, another few songs following that leading up until the release. So if people follow me you know, on Spotify or wherever they listen to music these days, there'll be lots of releases coming out until the full record comes.
3: And how about social media? Twitter, Instagram? Do you have a website as well?
4: I do. It's all, uh, my name is spelled C-A-R-L-E-I-G-H, so it's a tricky spelling of Carly. Um, but yeah, it's Carly Akins, A-I-K-I-N-S. You know, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, on all the things. YouTube, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's a million different platforms now that I, I got to keep up with. So, yeah, you can find me wherever you stream music.
3: We're looking forward to the new single in July. Please send it our way. Thank you. And yes, uh, I would love to. It was great speaking with you. Thank you for joining me on New Music on the Region podcast.
4: Thank you so much for having me, and thanks for playing the song. I really appreciate it.
0: Discovery, the radio show for podcasters, exclusive to 105.9 The Region. Expand your audience and extend your reach. Send us your podcast, info at 1059theregion.com.